I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. My name is James Milley. I am the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S., and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. I am also one of our two hosts here on the Artist Business Plan, which now reaches over 5,000 monthly listeners in 100 countries around the globe and growing every single week. Today, we have got Brent Estabrook here with us on the mic. Brent is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to navigate an artist-manager relationship. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what he has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. Brent Estabrook is best known for his large-scale oil paintings of stuffed animals. Estabrook approaches his work with a delightful playfulness while maintaining a sedulous painterly technique. He received a BFA from the University of Arizona and a doctorate of dental surgery from the University of Louisville. Brent Estabrook currently lives and works in Los Angeles, where he is represented by James Wright Gallery. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Brent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. Now, Brent, before we dive into it, I want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? My earliest rem- memory is I would tape together pieces of like printer paper and I'd make these uh, like huge, <laughs> I'd make these huge like war scenes, like World War II, I don't know, planes and ships. It's definitely the earliest memory of art. Besides Legos, Legos was a big, uh, I credit Legos to a big part of my creativity or growing my creativity because as a kid, I played with Legos probably every single day. Yeah, they're, they're one of the most imaginative toys out there for kids. That's, I, I, I love that. And I, I love that you took it beyond the Legos themselves and actually created your own scenes kind of from hand. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Brent, first of all, you became an artist by, quote unquote, throwing away a six-figure salary, which is your own words, <laughs> and and choosing to pursue your passion instead. Um, can you tell us a bit about this decision, how you came to it, and where it's led you? Yeah, I'll make it short. I went to undergrad. I went to the University of Arizona with the intention of becoming a dentist because it was kind of the safe, comfortable career in life, right? Go to school more, get a good job, get a good salary save for retirement. And at 65, you know, you can go have fun. So when I went to University of Arizona, I talked to my pre-health advisor. 
she asked me a question that probably changed my life. It, I was asking her, you know, what courses do I need to take in order to get into dental school? And she goes, what do you like doing? That question literally changed my life. I, uh, I told her, you know, I, I enjoy art. Um, she's like, well, why don't you do art and then, you know, take all your biology, chemistry, because you'll get to like do your passion in school while, you know, pursuing your career. And so I did that. And the moment my first painting class was painting 101, you picked oil paint or acrylic paint. I picked oil paint, slight hyperbole. I basically painted every single day of my life from that. I turned my room into a studio. I instantly fell in love with art. Eventually got into dental school, went to dental school. Dental school is four years long in the US. And two years into it is when you start working with patients. And that was the moment I really knew. I was like, ooh, okay, dentistry is not for me. And at that same time, I sold probably my first significant art piece because I was every free moment I had, I was painting. If study as much as I had to just to get by in dental school, and then I'd spend the rest of the time painting. I sold a piece uh, actually at the Long Beach Museum of Art charity auction for a fairly substantial amount of money at the time. And after that, my brain almost just shifted gears completely and it was it was art. So it was my first kind of momentum builder. I was already two years into dental school. I'd tell myself I'll finish it and make my decision then. The day I graduated, I was like, F this, I'm being an artist. <laughs> and I have not looked back. I think I actively looked for a dentist job for one weekend. And after that, I have never thought about it again. The only thing I identify with in dentistry now is to be honest, it's kind of cool to say you're a dentist. I could put doctor in front of my name. That's about it. It was a pursuit of passion if you really want to boil it down. I loved art. It was easy to do. I didn't have to think about it. I really just let my passion propel me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's amazing. A total side note here, but I can actually refer to myself as Lord James Milley because I bought like a five square foot plot of land in Ireland. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it you know, it costs $40 and now I'm Lord James. But anyway, that's not relevant here. What I really like about your story here, Brent, and I, I, I think it's really inspiring that you went all the way, like, you know, through dentistry school and then decided like, hey, I'm going to be, be an artist instead. I'm just going to go all in on this. Going to school to be a dentist is no easy feat. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. And it's a lot of, you know, work ethic, you know, just looking at your art, I can tell that you put that same amount of energy into it. So even though it's like, not considered as safe of an option, being a, a doctor is something that you have to put your all into you have to be on it and dedicated. And, you know, why not have that same stick to with an art career? Even if you're going to be an artist instead of a dentist, treat it as as intense as a as a dentist. Yeah, it's it's easy to say this in in retrospect, but I mean, it was it was scary dropping dentistry and and fully devoting myself to art. But and I, don't get me wrong, it was a long you know it was probably five years of kind of a financial roller coaster uncertainty. But looking back on it now, don't get me wrong, there's still ups and downs to my art world, but it's a, a quote, I can't remember who said it, but they said the only time you fail is when you give up. I, I know it's, it's kind of one of those hacky things to say, but it's true. Putting work into it, if you keep doing it and it's your passion, 
I'm pretty convinced you will become successful. I always use the example of uh, uh, Sean White, the snowboarder. He wasn't going into snowboarding thinking like, oh, I'm going to make tens of millions a year. You know, he went into it because it was his passion. And now he's making tens of millions of dollars a year because he truly followed his passion. Yeah, absolutely. And also, no one is a pro anything, including snowboarding or artists out of the womb. So if you're expecting full on success and, you know, full on acclaim from the moment that you start something, you're setting yourself up for disappointment versus like expecting yourself to like have some failures, learn from your mistakes as you go, and then just use that as a way to make yourself stronger. I mean, oh yeah. I think this also leads pretty nicely into my next question, which is uh, when you did realize that art was a business all on its own, what changes did you make to develop your own artist business plan? So I admittedly, I'm a, uh, I'm a horrible business person. I, I recognize it. I knew, I knew it from day one. Um, I really just, my real only interest is painting. That's all I really want to do. Fortunately, I got very, very lucky in this aspect uh, is my manager was a very good friend who happens to be James Wright. And so we had a very, uh, he's very, very business savvy. Luckily, we have a nice match that he handles the business side of my art and I do the painting and it's a trusted relationship because as probably any artist knows, there's some, uh, there's some shady figures in the, in the art world. But I understood that there needed to be that if I neglected the business aspect of it, that it wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, even when it comes to being consistent with pricing, uh, shipping, logistics, all that stuff, it needs to be handled in a very professional business way. You know, even when it comes to emailing invoices to collectors, like making sure all your ducks are in a row, being in the art world, I've met a lot of hyper talented artists, but either they're not business minded or they don't have somebody, they don't have a business mind behind them. Like, a, like James is my business mind and they don't have that and they really go nowhere because I, I know it. All they want to do is paint. I'm the same way, but I recognize that art is probably 50% business. You know, and a lot of your collectors are probably very business minded as well. So they expect kind of like the formalities of business to happen nicely. I think ultimately the the most important thing here is not that you are some super amazing business person yourself, but that you recognize that business is such an integral part of being an artist. That's really what's important. So artists out there listening, you don't have to be a savvy business person. But if you recognize it and realize that that it's an important component of your career, the same way that you would invest in art materials, you're going to also invest in a person who is business minded or, you know, partnering with them in some way or hiring them like, you know, for a, a small amount to start just to get a few things out of the way. And then as you grow, you can pay them more, whatever the, the scenario is like not putting that to the side because if you're an artist out there, you're making art, your art is amazing. We already know that. But, you know, then you're waiting for a big break or you're waiting for something to come into your lap instead of going out there and, and seeking out those opportunities. You can either do it yourself or you can find a partner 
to do that side of it for you. But I, I think that's such a good point, friend. Yeah, I would, if you're starting off, you have a friend who's very business minded and is interested in this, like, it's not like you have to pay them up front. You could be like, hey, you know, so my almost treat it like a gallery. Like, you know, if you help me sell my work, I'll give you X percentage of whatever it is. And you'll both probably grow in this process because art, unless you've been in it, it's a, it's a weird world. Like there's a lot of gray area. There's no guidebook to it, but recognizing, yeah, I tell artists, I go either, I ask them, you know, are you really business minded? And if, and if they say no, I tell them you have to find somebody that is either that, or you have to learn business practice. There's tons of artists out there that like me, I don't know if I can learn business. I'm too, I'm so hyper-focused on painting. And again, luckily I found James. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you're, you're represented by, by James now at like in the form of a gallery. So he started out kind of just as uh, a business partner for you. And then he, he formed himself into a gallery or how did, how did that work? Yeah, we, uh, we started seeing momentum and we, you know, behind my career, built a gallery, brought on some other artists, worked with other artists. Some have worked, some have not. If I had to say why it didn't work is a lot of artists don't take the business aspect seriously. Let's say you your pieces go for $500 a square foot or whatever metrics, and they start like undercutting their own price because they want the quick sale, but then it disrupts the rest of you know their market, like other collectors who bought it at whatever the market price. It gets so effed up so quickly when you don't follow good business practice. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's really cool, actually, that you, you started out just with a person that you trusted. And you mentioned that before. Trust. Artists listening out there, like you don't have to narrow down the options of who's going to help your art career down to like the comparatively very small handful of gallery directors that already exist in your city that you live in. Like you can find someone who you trust and you recognize their business savvy and build a gallery or a collective or just a career for yourself as as one artist. I mean, whatever it is, you don't have to be waiting for a big break from someone who's already has a full artist roster and, and they're not really looking for new artists right now. What would you say are your top five tips that you would give to an artist who's looking to be repped by a gallery? And we kind of just talked a little bit about it, but if you want to dive into it a little further. I know a lot of very successful artists on just on social media and they're kind of, they're kind of their own thing. They may have a business manager, but they're not necessarily repped by a big gallery, but the people that do get big on social media, I'd say eventually get big or, or get picked up by a gallery because they kind of see them doing their thing. So, I mean, I guess one tip is is build a big social media presence. All the biggest galleries, they're on social media too. Like there's people out there looking, you know, and watching and seeing, seeing who's following you, you know, and stuff like that. So the bigger social media presence, the better. And again, I'll elaborate a little bit more of some, some ideas on how to grow that. But this is going to be the most unsatisfying answer, but it's the most true is you have to keep working. I'm not a believer in, you know, that like overnight success for probably five years. I no joke worked seven days a week on painting, mainly because it's all I really want to do. But I would paint from nine in the morning to 10 at night. Luckily, it was kind of easy because I just love doing it. But I also say befriending other successful artists, especially if the artist is represented by the gallery, because 
the best warm introduction an artist can get into a gallery is if a artist that is represented by that gallery is like, Hey, you got to check this person out, you know? Right. Right. That is a gold star invitation. I'd say the more professional you are, you're savvy of your business side, or you have somebody that is the, the more streamlined it would be working with a gallery. There's not a lot of, you know, headache for you or the gallery trying to figure out how to work together because you kind of already have a plan in place, whether it's a, you know, what you expect for commission or how many work you expect, you know, like having that stuff thought out. And I'm, I'm not a gallery, so I I don't know, but I would think would go a long way in the gallerist looking at you going, wow, this like, this person has their stuff together. Right. And this is something I've been very adamant about is uh, I take extreme care when I photograph my work. I wish I would have photographed some of the setups I used to have in, ter- in order to get like good lighting on a piece. Um, and all this was through internet research. But I started off with pretty simple DSLR, Canon, no Nikon, whatever their lowest one is. Now I've kind of upgraded my camera, but I take extreme care in representing my work digitally. Very, just because having close up images of like my work is very big on, I, I like people getting really close to my work. I like them to see the, like the, uh, the brush strokes. And so I take care in making sure I get good photos of those. So digitally, I can share them, whether on Instagram, to other galleries, whatever it be, art, art fairs. Just to recap on, on your, your five tips. So first one, build a big social media presence. Uh, that's going to get you connections that you, you know, otherwise wouldn't be getting. Number two, keep working, you know, follow your passion. I mean, ultimately, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's not something that happens overnight, but it, it's like learning an instrument or something like that, where at the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I sound terrible. Like, how can I keep going? Well, if you don't keep going, you're not going to succeed and, and get the places you want learning that instrument or, you know, whatever, you know, also learning how to make your art itself besides just having a sex, a successful art career, you need to keep putting in that effort and just know that just over the horizon is that success you're looking for. Number three, befriend other successful artists. That way you can make those connections uh, with galleries that you're interested in. Uh, number four, be professional. I would definitely agree that you know, you're know you not going to be as much of a headache if you do work with a business partner or anything. So even if you aren't the business side of your art career, if you have someone else that you're working with, be able to communicate with them about the business side of things instead of just like throwing all of whatever you make at them and then hoping that they figure it out. Again, number five, uh, take extreme care into photographing your work. You can look up ways online that you can you know, set up a lighting and make it really good. I think those are some amazing tips, Brent. Brent, we're going to come right back and everyone out there, Brent is going to tell you more of what you want to know about growing an audience and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, 
but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. How does your artist manager relationship help you with what we're going to call the three C's and that's contracts, commissions, and collectors? I got a pretty simple answer. He handles everything. (laughs) Um, It's not, he, you know, initially looks at them, reads them, and then we'll talk on the phone or he'll say, like, these are the changes I made. What do you think? But I generally rely on him to make the initial, come up with the initial ideas. And some some artists, in in terms of commissions, some artists, you know, maybe like, well, I want. I want 50% or I want this percentage. Like they may have something very strict in their mind. I've learned to trust James in that I, you know, I value his opinion. So I kind of listen to what he says. And then we kind of, you know, brainstorm from that Uh, in terms of collectors, making sure pieces get there on time, making sure everything arrives safely and all that the collector's house is a big part of, of art. But I'd say it's a little on a side note. One of the greatest aspects about being in the art world is the people you meet. It tends to be, you know, people who collect art, they tend to be more successful people in life. They uh, Maybe they're CEOs of businesses or they started, you know, they're entrepreneurial. Like you meet a ton of cool people in the art world and especially your collectors. And so I make a huge effort to spend time with my collectors. A lot of my collectors are now my good friends. Uh, my top collector, maybe two years ago, I hand-delivered a piece to him. I'm sure that kind of experience or moment uh, was just as valuable as like the art piece that I was you know, delivering to him. So I, it's like collector care, <laughs> I think is, I, again, I, I'm just, I'm thinking of some other artists I know who are wildly talented, but I don't know. I feel like they disregard their collectors a little bit or they they could not disregard. That's not a fair way to put it, but they have all these amazing collectors that I feel like they should be kicking it with. Go have a drink with them. Go have dinner with them. It really nurture the collector artist relationship because as an artist, I'd say you're kind of a special individual to them. Like they're buying something off you and they're putting it in their home. Like it means something to them. Like the person who made it is going to mean something to them as well. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you've spent hours making a piece and then someone has bought it and put it into their home. That, that relationship is going to be like meaningful. Um, so you should, you should go ahead and spend some time with them. But again, just going back to the idea of trust, if you are going to be working with someone, trusting them to, do do what you've hired them to do and that's you know take care of contracts and focus in on the business side of things like if if you're going to not be able to trust the decisions that they make you're going to end up still having to do all the work that you're hiring them for so they're they're not going to be saving you the mental headspace to focus on your art and make incredible work i also would say the same thing that you're saying of even if an artist manager that you work with is 
managing the relationship with the collectors that you have, like choosing certain, I would like call them touch points with your collectors so that they have that direct connection with you. Um, we know from surveying uh, the visitors at Superfine that people love meeting and talking to uh, the artists behind the work. So it's a really good opportunity to keep that relationship going. And also, you know, like take it outside of business for a second, like actually make some meaningful connections with with human beings who love your artwork. Like you said, they're they're your friends now. So that's even if let's say, you know, you're not the one who sends the newsletters to your collector base, keeping them updated on your work. You know, let's say you like hanging the art in their home and you want to like actually bring it there and say hi to them, then that's a really good opportunity. Or like you said, just like take them out for dinner or drinks or, you know, whatever it may be. And just, just have those, those points of contact with them. It's going to keep yourself and your art top of mind to them. I think a lot of people in life are, they are seeking experiences. So uh, for example, some of my collectors in art, they have so much money they like they don't know what to do with right like money's money's not like top of mind they're looking for cool interesting experiences that as an artist you can provide for them i mean one thing i ultimately want to do is i love cooking i want to set up like a dinner table in my studio and have you know like 10 of my collectors over with my art around it and cook them dinner like my whole thought process lately is, has been on creating, like, how do you create experiences for people that others can't do because you're in this unique position of being an artist? Even like I send out uh, birthday cards now of their small, really nice prints of my artwork that I hand sign and, uh, and I addition them and I send them out to them. It's not something I'm going to sell. I want it to be kind of a unique thing for, you know, the collectors in my life. Yeah. No, I mean, keeping it personal, authentic, like you were saying before, I mean, it, it's, it's going to go a long way. So even just like sending out birthday cards, again, like you were saying about it being an experience for someone. I mean, that's besides the fact that you're spending hours of time, like making your work and it's incredibly intricate and amazing versus like, you know, a, like a poster that you would get at Target or Ikea or something. The other side of it is that it is an experience versus just wall decor because it's, you know, that person as, as a collector, they're surrounding themselves with really inspiring work, but also creative, inspiring people. And you can make that part of kind of your offering that, that you're giving to that buyer is, Hey, like you're, you're buying my artwork, but I'm also going to be part of your life. You have a job that makes you tons of money and you have to like really focus on that like all week, like, you know, work long hours to do that. And then at the end of it, you know, you can unwind by being around really inspiring people. What would you say are your top three tips uh, for other artists to get maximum engagement and exposure on social media, specifically Instagram, I'd say, but you know, social media in general? Be active, post work, post works in progress, take care in what you post. And I'm not saying this is necessary for other artists, but I, my, if you go to my Instagram, it's just, it's all art. I, I don't do anything else. I don't talk about anything else. It's, it's just art. Well, I guess there's food in there too in my story mode, but I see food as art. So 
I keep it very focused. I treat it as if it's like my portfolio, like my artist portfolio, you know, because again, there's all the big galleries, all the big names, all the big collectors. They're, for the most part, they're on Instagram and they could, they could see your work. When I first started on Instagram, I traded a piece of artwork for a post on like a social influencers account. Uh, this is when you could really blow up Instagram. I think I got like 20,000 followers by doing this. So I did that and I ha- I probably got one of my biggest collectors because they saw it on this person's account. And I, I tell artists, you know, especially if you're starting off, don't look at selling a piece as like, I got to sell it and you got to give me money for it. If you can get a big social media influencer to repost your work, I mean, that could be like a $50,000 value, right? I know some of these social media influencers get 50,000, 100,000, half a million for a post. So if you can get it in, now I I wouldn't do it for to anybody, but find an influencer that maybe you identify with or you like where they're going in life or their message and send them a genuine message that I'm this artist this is my work I make. I would love to gift you a painting. Uh, all I ask in return is that you share it on your on your main account. You tag my name and that's it. And a lot of these social media influencers, they're looking for stuff to post. I'll give you a quick example. If, if you're really good at painting dogs, I swear, go find the most famous person you know who loves their dog. Reach out to them, uh, send them a DM, say, hey, I'll paint your dog <laughs> if, you, if you then you know, in turn post it. And if they do post it, you'll get so many followers, you'll get so many people asking you to paint their dog. Now, I'm not saying the end goal is you paint dogs the rest of your life, but eh, sometimes you got to do a little work um, and you may not want to paint exactly what you want to paint, but think of where that can get you. The eyeballs that now come in over time, you'll eventually get to where you're creating exactly what you're creating. You have all these eyeballs because you did some work, you gave away some paintings for free at the beginning. And now you have demand for your work. I think it's such a smart idea. Don't just do this with anyone who has like a huge following. Make sure, like you said, Brent, that it's someone that you really align with, you know, and kind of similar to the to the artist manager, make sure it's someone you trust, someone that you've been for a long time, not just someone that, you know, just reached out to you in your DMs and is like, hi, I'm going to get you 100,000 followers in a week. Give me money or give me your art. Like, ignore that person. Delete their message. You'll know you're on the good track when uh, you'll people start to reach out to you, be like, hey, give me a free painting and I'll, I'll post it. It's kind of, you know, you're, you're starting to get some tracking. I, I'm not saying do it, but... Right. Oh, no, you're, you're definitely catching people's attention. You know, make sure that it's someone that you really trust. But I mean, there is there is value in it. And I like that you said you know, don't necessarily think of every single painting that you give to someone as a, you know, financial transaction of like, I give you painting, you give me money, because there are certain exceptions that are valuable, and they're going to lead you to, you know, like your your goals. And I would say that one of them, like, because of how important social media is now of helping you grow a genuine following, you know, make someone or give someone a painting in exchange for a really quality feature of it on their main Instagram page. I would say, you know, do it on the main page and uh, do one story post with it. Like, yeah, you can, you can demand a little bit. Like it's not, it's not that it's not any skin off their back, right? They have to take an extra 
extra photo. Totally. And I, I say this uh, a lot of the times with um, offering a discount to someone when, when they're interested in buying your work, if they're asking for a discount, well, you know, you can ask for something in return because th- they're asking for added value in the sense of a discount. So you know, if, if you are offering, and, and in that sense, this is a bit of a tangent, but like, let's say someone's like, can you give me a discount? Then you say, yes, can you make your decision today? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, if they're going to like mull over it and have this discount that lasts whenever, and then they come back to you three months later and they're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that discount now. You know, that that doesn't help you in, in the immediate moment. So using a discount as kind of a trade for them making the decision sooner. That's good. That is a good tip. You know, on the flip side, uh, like in, in what we're talking about here, if you're giving someone a painting for, you know, not too much work on their end, make sure that you're getting everything out of it that you possibly can and, and really use it as an opportunity. At the same time, uh, like you said, Instagram has has changed over the years and like one post giving you 20,000 followers is is not always the case. It does happen, but also if there's anything out there that sounds like it's too good to be true, it probably is an opportunity where you're going to get like, let's say a few hundred or a thousand really quality followers, like people who could be collectors or, you know, art industry leaders or galleries or whatever it may be, go for that opportunity versus the person that's saying that they're going to give you a hundred thousand followers. In a uh, week. I've had that happen. Yeah. You like, you're getting like uh, 200 followers every second. And then you look at all, all of them. They have zero followers and like one post. Don't, don't pay to have, give me a bunch of followers. Like I know that, I know that trick. Yeah, absolutely. No, but it, I, I do think that it's it's a really good idea. And there's no one right answer out there. You know, any any tips artists that you're receiving on, you know, the artist business plan or just that are coming your way, you don't necessarily have to do every single thing, but pick the things that make sense for your career. And if, you know, gifting, you know, paintings or, or artworks of yours to people on Instagram to, to build your following is something that you think would make sense in your business plan, do it. I mean, it, it'll, it'll get you places. If, you know, digital advertising is the thing that makes sense for you, or if sending like handwritten letters to, to people is your thing, like do, you know, whatever it is that, that is going to get you where you're looking to get, then, then follow that. Cool. Awesome. Well, Brent, we're, we're coming to the close of our conversation, but uh, I want to bring it home for our listeners out there. Could you share with everyone listening, what is something that they should do right now to start revving up their careers in a big way? Keep creating, keep painting. I, um, I was thinking of uh, before this interview, I remember I heard a story and I, I forgot the artist, but he was a, he was a museum artist. Um, not like a household name, but his, so his son was kind of showing prom like promise and being an artist uh, as well. I was pretty talented. And he asked his dad already very successful artists, you know, like, should I keep pursuing art? Like, is it going to be a good career? And his dad asked him, do you think about it every single, every single day, like every moment of your life? And the son was like, eh. and immediately dad's like, don't be an artist. If you're not thinking about it all the time, if it's not your passion, I I would see it being difficult 
because again, it's the passion that has kind of helped me keep propelling forward. But that was a, a little side note. And really, it's, it's just keep creating. If you love it, keep creating, value your work, uh, value your work and everything you do and how you present it. Uh, just personally value it. Yeah. And grow your social media. <laughs> social media is, uh, it's probably the best tool for an artist. Take care in, in building that. And yeah, it's not about how many followers you have. It's the, the quality of the, of the followers who's, who's watching you. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it sounds like you have some very quality followers that, uh, that follow you, but I couldn't agree more. Just keep creating. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to get to a mountain, it's one step at a time. So you, you have to just keep going, you know, artists out there, whatever your metaphorical mountain is that you're trying to get to with, with being an artist, just keep creating. You're getting to where you're trying to get. You know, to all you business artists out there, Brent has been here with us today sharing his amazing perspective. You can listen to this in all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. Uh, to connect with Brent, you can follow him at Brent Estabrook on Instagram or visit www.brentestabrook.com. If you have not seen his work, it is phenomenal. You've got to check it out like now. It's really, really awesome. As always, remember that we are at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. Uh, we always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we would really appreciate it if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the artist business plan. Uh, those ratings and reviews, they're so, so critical in helping other artists, entrepreneurs, just like yourselves, find us. As always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all, and that is, Leap and the Net Will Appear. That is by John Burroughs. I think that that goes very well in line with the keep creating idea that you mentioned, Brent. It's been such a pleasure having you with us today and chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so grateful. Thank you, James. Of course. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, Join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.